Jake Asman and Dan Budick break down the world of sports right here, right now on VIC Radio. And it's us. It's the Asman and Budick Show live right here on VIC Radio, taking you until midnight. Whole lot to get to. NFL, another week almost in the books. we got Sunday night football going on. we got Monday night football tomorrow. But for the local teams, the Jets and the Giants, their games are on the books, and they certainly lived up to a typical Jet and Giant games today. Boy, the Jets, it, the Jets able to pick up a win, as you know, Dan, 28-23 over the Jaguars. The Giants won as well, so both local New York teams won. Giants won 32-18, and we'll certainly touch on both. But first up, Dan, wearing the suit in studio right now. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? It was a good NFL Sunday, stressful yeah. NFL Sunday. Well, I think when you just first off talking about the Jets, uh, they won the game, thank God. Yeah, I mean, if they lost, it would have been chaos. But they held on, they won, a win's a win. But, I mean, they did not, in my opinion, really play up to the standard that they need to play when you're playing a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, just, you know, definitely we're going to get into it disappointing uh, just as far as the fact they just couldn't put Jacksonville away. Uh, lucky they got that muff punt. They were able to take advantage of that, took a possession away from Jacksonville. But, you know, it's disappointing. You got the win, but definitely not a great performance for the Jets, especially coming off a horrendous performance a week ago against Oakland. Is it Were they better? Yeah, but, I mean, if they were playing a better team than Jacksonville, they're losing this football game. I mean, they, they didn't make enough plays at the end of the game. And we'll start with the Jets, obviously, because anyone who listens to the show knows how we feel about the Jets. But and the first thing I'll say is what you said. They won the game, and they have now won more games this season than they did all of last year. Yeah, which is an accomplishment. Which, it is. And, and you could say, you know, they're a better team, and they are. But think about where this team was a year ago to where they are right now. And you say, you know what? Tip your hat to Mike McKagan. He did a great job this offseason. Tip your hat to Todd Bowles in his first year as the head coach of this team. He's done a fine job. But for the Jets today, I didn't like what I saw overall. Yes, you never apologize for a win. They needed it. But if they were playing almost every other team in the NFL besides Jacksonville and a handful of other bad football teams, they probably lose. Especially at the end of this game, they had no killer instinct. They weren't able to put Jacksonville away. They gave them the ball back with a chance to drive down the field and win with under a minute left, and they did get the big turnover at the end. They got the the muff punt to go in their favor, which was a huge play in this one. It obviously gave the Jets an opportunity to get the ball back right away and then put the game away with that 25-yard drive at the end of the fourth quarter, but this was a frustrating game. A couple bright spots, I really thought Lorenzo Molden did an outstanding job as this team's true pass rusher out of that linebacking spot. He finished with two sacks today. But I think you look at what this Jets team did overall, Dan, and it was frustrating. I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick played well. I thought Brandon Marshall, who's clearly not at 100% with his toe injury, he did a great job battling out there. I mean, Brandon Marshall, let's talk about him for a second. He's involved on the onside kick on the hands team. He recovers that. He recovers the fumble that Chris Ivory almost coughs up at the end of that game that could have gave Jacksonville another opportunity to take the lead. And he caught that huge touchdown at the end of the game to seal that 25-yard drive by the Jets. So Brandon Marshall was good. I thought Fitzpatrick was good. But it is puzzling to watch this Jets offensive line try and set blocks for Chris Ivory to run through. They're just not there. And you could say there's no Nick Mangold who left this game with a neck injury, and there's no Willie Colon who got injured and is probably not going to play until Thursday against the Buffalo Bills. But the Jets need to be able to run the football, and Chris Ivory today carried it 23 times and finished with 26 yards. You're not going to beat very many teams when you run the football that badly 
And then that doesn't even get to the defense, but sticking to the offense first, I know we were both very disappointed with how they couldn't run the football on Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, and you talk about a run defense that g- gives up a lot of runs. I mean, Jacksonville Jaguars are not known in stopping the run defensively. They, have, they give up over 110 rushing yards a game, and just the Jets couldn't run the football today, and it was puzzling. It was puzzling for me just to uh, to watch that game. The Jets could not get anything going on the ground. I think I agree. I think a big part of it uh, was no Willie Colon and most basically the whole game, no Nick Mangold on the offensive line. Uh, just it, they couldn't do anything in the run game. And what I've seen with this Jets team through the first eight games of the season, when they become a one-dimensional team, their flaws show. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's flaws show. Luckily, they were playing a team of you know an inept team like the Jacksonville Jaguars and. A team that's two and six because I think I agree with you. If they were playing anyone else today, if they're playing uh, even the Giants, I don't think they win this game. I just don't think the Giant, uh, the Jets, made enough plays at the end of this game to win this football game when they could have put it away. They were up fourteen to three, and Jake, we were talking about this. They had a chance to seal this game before halftime. A minute thirty to go, all three timeouts uh, before they headed to the locker room, and they just kneeled down the ball. They handed it off four times. Went three and out, punted it off, and my problem is you have a minute 33 timeouts. You're up by 11 points. What, what is what is the risk in going for it? Your offense is up until that point has moved the ball pretty well. Why not try to put a field goal and go into the locker room 17-3 uh, or 21-3? Instead, they go three and out. Jacksonville scores on three plays. They travel, what, 70 yards on three plays and score a touchdown? I think it was 50 yards. Whatever it was, ridiculous. What puzzles me about that situation at the end is a couple things. One, I get it. Nick Falk was unavailable to kick, so Ryan Quigley, the punter, had to take all the PATs today, and the Jets were never really in a situation where they could have used Falk outside of early in that game. I think it was a fourth and three. They decided to go for it, and it worked. But even still, and I I know the point you're going to make, and I agree with you, Dan. The Jets, with a minute 30 left on the clock, up 14-3, with three timeouts, with the playmakers I have with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, you have to try and take some shots downfield. And listen, even if you can't kick a field goal, just don't give Jacksonville the opportunity to get the ball back. And then you could say, well, shame on the Jets' defense. And you're right. Shame on the Jets' defense. For Jacksonville to be able to score in three plays and go 50 yards right down the Jets' throat, that's unacceptable. That can't happen. And if they're playing a better team, they probably lose this game today. I'll tell you what, though. The one thing the Jets did well and one thing Ryan Fitzpatrick did well is they didn't turn the football over. So even though they didn't run the football well today, Fitzpatrick did not throw an interception. He did not fumble. He was only sacked twice. And even though the Jets couldn't run the ball today, they still found themselves in a close one because, hey, they could have lost it. They gave Jacksonville a couple turnovers. Jacksonville turned the football over three times. The Jets didn't, and that's why they were able to narrowly escape MetLife with a win today. And It's a big one for the Jets on Thursday. They had to find a way to win today. They're now 5-3 and three going into that showdown with the Bills next week, or this week, excuse me, on Thursday. And listen, a win's a win, but they got a lot to correct, especially on defense as well. I know the defense made a couple plays. They forced some turnovers today. But there were too many times where it looked too easy for Jacksonville. And this is Blake Bortles. You know, he's an ascending quarterback. I think he could still be a good pro. But the Jets at home could not let the Jacksonville Jaguars score as quickly as they were when they had to. They were very fortunate at the end. They were opportunistic, so you give them credit. But the Jets lacked that killer instinct today. Several times they could have put this team away, and they didn't do it. Yeah, and Blake Bortles, I think it brings up an interesting point about Blake Bortles. He threw the ball 40 times. He threw for 381 yards. Blake Bortles threw for 381 yards at MetLife Stadium today. I mean, come on. The Jacksonville Jaguars had over, had, out, out-yarded the Jets. They had over 400 total yards. 
The Jets really didn't do a good job defensively at all today. They really didn't. I thought they got bailed out by a, a bunch of miscues at the end of the game, like we talked about by the Jaguars. I thought this was another. Nothing dis- was bigger than the the muff punt. The muff punt. Because the way the Jets were reeling at the end of that game, I had no confidence in this defense, which is sad because I thought Jackson would get the ball back. They go right down the and field and score. The, and what concerning is what's concerning to me. This is the second week in a row we've seen the defense not really finish tackles all the time. They, they were much improved today than Oakland. It was abominable last week. They played a lot Oakland. worse of a team. Well, uh, yeah, uh, but. As far as finishing tackles, they were better today. But overall, a lackluster performance defensively. And I just don't understand how they allowed Blake Bortles to throw for 381 yards. I mean, they, they, held, they, they held Tom Brady to less than 300 yards passing. And, and 381 yards for Blake Bortles, the guy that dropped back 40 times. And Jacksonville was going to get the football back with about four minutes to go in the fourth quarter if they didn't muff that punt. And I had no confidence that the Jets were going to stop them because it would be a typical Jets game. You didn't finish the opponent when they had the chance, and they were bailed out. They recovered the football at the Jacksonville 25-yard line, and three plays later, you know, Brandon Marshall finds the back of the end zone from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think if you talk about the positives for the Jets, though, we kind of touched on it with Fitzpatrick. I thought he played a really good football game today. I thought he had to play well with no running game, mind you. Considering this he's guy with a b- torn ligament in his thumb. Yeah, you know, he's it's, it's pain resistant. He's dealing with it. It's pain management that he's trying to fight through. I thought he did an outstanding job today. I really did. You know, completed 61% of his passes, finished with a quarterback rating of 106.5. And the biggest stat, we said it already, no interceptions through the two touchdowns. And that's the type of performance they needed from Ryan Fitzpatrick. We saw Geno Smith come in last week against the Raiders, and he wasn't bad, I wouldn't say, but he wasn't great, and they made a lot of bonehead mistakes. Today, Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't afford to turn the ball over, and he didn't. So and that's a testament to the job that he's done as the team's starting quarterback. And listen, the Jets, at the end of the day, they're 5-3, and three, and this game on Thursday is huge, and that's why they had to find a way to win today and put it into a two-game losing streak after the the horror show that was watching the team out in Oakland a week ago. And one other thing that I think needs to be noted is you look at the box score, they, they sacked Borders five or six times. They the most sacks they've had in a game this year. They should have sacked him ten times. There were so many times the Jets had Blake Bortles wrapped up, couldn't finish him off. He ends up being able to move out of the pocket, throw a pass for a first down, or run for a first down. And it cost them points at times. The Jets didn't do a good job today defensively, and it's concerning. A defense that played so well earlier in the year really played, I thought, extremely well against New England a few weeks ago. Uh, for the most part. And then last week was abominable. And this week, I mean, a little better, but not much. Look at the opponent. Uh, A worse opponent uh, than they played last week in the Oakland Raiders. I was really disappointed in the Jets' performance today. Well, let's talk about Antonio Cromartie's performance, specifically on that defense. He wasn't very good today. He got beat again. I think he's now giving up eight touchdowns in uh, how many games have the Jets played now? Uh, In eight games, and he's given up six touchdowns? Six touchdowns in eight games, I think it is. But he's got to be bad. And and he's looked brutal the past two weeks. We saw him injure his, uh, I think it was his thigh today. Left thigh. Whatever it was. So he missed the end of the game. And Marcus Williams came in, replaced him, and did a great job. Finished with two interceptions today. I want to see him play a little bit more. But I think when you look at Antonio Cromartie's performance today, there's got to be cause for concern. This guy has not played great this year. He's had a couple good moments, a couple good games. We were all upset when the Jets thought they might have lost him for the season in that week one win over the Browns. Turned out he was only an MCL sprain, and he's okay. But Antonio Cromartie, and you knew you weren't going to get the same guy that you were getting his first go-around with the Jets, but he didn't look good today. That's concerning because the Jets are going to count on him. And, listen, they have depth in the secondary. They should be getting D. Milner back. But Antonio Cromartie cannot play as much as he's been playing if he's going to keep getting burnt. And they're also very slim in the safety position. Uh, Calvin Pryor, I don't think he's going to be back for Thursday. Uh, 
with has with as how is with ha, as with how well he played the first couple games of the season, you can see they have avoided safety right now with the injuries. Buster Screen's not playing at 100. percent He didn't particularly have a good game either. No, he didn't. He's probably playing hurt. So that's a good point that you just made. The thing with Pryor is Chris Lepresti said there's a good chance that he does play on Thursday, so that will be a big boost. To the Jets secondary. I mean, you really. I mean, Bailey got hurt today later in the game, and we don't know the extent of his injury. We saw him come out and not return to this game. So, I mean, the Jets are banged up right now, and every team's banged up, so it's not an excuse. But they had to find a way to win today. You just hope that if they get Willie Colon back on Thursday, they'll be able to do something running the football because with the way the Bills are with their front seven, if the Jets are going to be one-dimensional on them and not be able to run the football. I mean, that pass rush is going to be relentless, and they're going to expose an up-the-middle front that's likely not going to have Nick Mangold at center. And that's disappointing, too. And, the, and this was the first game the Jets have ever won. I think it was the fifth game with Nick Mangold out. And this was the worst team they played. They could have easily lost his football game. And it's concerning they weren't able to run the football with as well uh, with how good they ran the football earlier in the season. It's concerning. And going into a Buffalo game Thursday night, it it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Thursday night football, a short week. Both teams battling for a playoff spot. Buffalo beat Miami today. The Jets beat, obviously, the Jaguars like we've been talking about. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere out in, uh, up in Buffalo on Thursday night. The Jets have to come ready. If they play def- specifically defensively like they've played the last couple of weeks today and last week against Oakland, it's going to be a long day. And Tyrod Taylor has shown he's elusive in the pocket. He can move left and right. If the Jets aren't going to finish tackles and bring him down when they have the opportunity to, he's going to, he's going to make them pay. He's going to make him pay. Yeah, no question about it. I think the Jets' defense has to play a lot better. And, you know, they played well in spurts today. They got to the quarterback a little bit. It was good to see Molden. We talked about him at the top of the show. Get to the quarterback and, and finish with two sacks. Richardson had a half a sack. They had Jets in total today finished with six sacks. So it was their best overall outing as a pass rush unit today. But what they need to do on Thursday is carry that over what they did today. Because if you want to beat the Buffalo Bills, you're going to need to get after it. You're going to, on a short week, you're going to need to get after the quarterback. With both teams are coming in banged up. I don't know if Deshaun McCoy is going to be ready for that game on Thursday. We'll find out what happens with him when he gets an MRI tomorrow with his injury. So it's important for the Jets to get after Tyrod Taylor, who's a mobile quarterback. It was good to see they did it against Blake Bortles today. But they're going to have to do it again on Thursday because the Bills are coming in. And this is a huge game, not only just because it's Rex coming back to New York, but Buffalo's sitting at 4-4 four and four in the wide-open AFC right now. They need the game. Pittsburgh is going to be without Ben Roethlisberger for a couple games. The Oakland Raiders, they played Pittsburgh today and still lost. So the bottom line is, you look at the Jets, you look at the Oakland Raiders, you look at the Steelers, you look at the Buffalo Bills, those teams are directly competing with each other for those wild-card spots, and that's why this game on Thursday is huge. It's a huge game. It's, it, MetLife Stadium, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. I mean, there's no doubt, and not to mention Rex's return, um... To, to, to MetLife Stadium. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. And, you know, knowing Rex and knowing just watching him coach the Jets uh, the last five years, you know, he's going to come out and make it personal and, you know, Jets. And you know the Buffalo Bills are going to come out raging hot. They're going to come out ready to win for their coach. And the Jets have to be ready, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They have to be ready to go. And it, it's concerning to me, like I said, the last couple weeks just defensively they have not shown uh, uh, they have not shown their their best performance. And just one more note on today's game: I, 436 total yards 
for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, as opposed to 290 for the Jaguars. And what did in Jacksonville? They, the turned, the ball, they turned the ball the, over the three turnovers. times. I mean, let's be real. If they don't turn over the ball in the fourth quarter, they win the game. They probably I, do. I, I can't see. The, the Jets couldn't buy a stop And the, the Jets, what killed them, we talked about it. They didn't run the football effectively, so Ryan Fitzpatrick was dropping back as many times as he did, and he played well. But when they needed that big play, that big first down to end the game, they didn't get it. They scored the touchdown late off the muff punt. But that was a muff punt that gave them that spot in the first place. So, I mean, if you're a Jet fan, yes, you love the win. You're 5-3. and three, But they have a lot to prove Thursday night. they got to play a lot better if they want to beat a Bills team. One note, I'll say this about Ryan Quigley, and I get on this guy a lot if you listen to the show. I don't think he's a very good punter at all. But give him credit stepping in hitting all four PATs after Nick Folk got hurt. And that's another question for the Jets. What's the status of Nick Folk for Thursday? He's obviously very important and you can make the case he was the Jets' MVP last year. And on a season that they only won four games, he was great. The Jets need Nick Folk for not only Thursday, but going forward. If, if he can't kick on Thursday, you're going to need to find a kicker. you got to sign a kicker. You can't go into Thursday. You can't go into a divisional game uh, or a game without a kicker. A, you know, and Especially this Thursday. Especially a Thursday night game against Buffalo at home with everything that's been going on, with Rex coming back. you, you got to have a kicker. I mean, you, you, in general, you got to have a kicker. And if he can't go, if he's not good to go by tomorrow and the Jets evaluate him over the next couple of days, they're going to bring in a kicker. I, I don't know who. Uh, I don't really know who's on the open market. I know during the game we were saying, why not bring give Jay Feely a call, former Jet, former Arizona Cardinal. He's been out of the league. Well, I don't think he played last year. Uh, I think, think he's been out of the league a couple of years. But I well, he's the best available. Uh, he's the best available hey, They already had Steve Weatherford on the team for – you know, a game this year. Why not reunite the 09 and 08? And I think was uh, Feely there in 2010? He was not. So Folk was there. So let's say if Weatherford was there in 2010, though, he was. Yeah, he was. So, you know, why not re- reunite the old uh, 09 and 10 Jet special teams unit? I mean, in all seriousness, the, they got to make a move for, for a kicker. If, if, Nick, if they evaluate that Nick Folk's not ready to go, he injured himself. I was his quad, his left quad in the pregame workout. Is that what it was, a quad? He knew right away it was gone. He hit like a 60-yard kick, he said, in warm-ups, and somebody just pulled. He hurt. He knew it right away. So he had no power in his leg. Well, at that point, you know, you got to make the best of what you have when you're on game day. But, it, you know, they're going to have to sign a kicker if they don't. If they feel Nick's not good to go. And I thought Ryan quickly punted the ball pretty good today. He, he had a couple a good ones. There was, one, there was one bad one, but, I mean, I think he collectively in total had five punts that put Jacksonville to sign their own 20-yard line, which is what you want. You know, you know what's interesting, though, is – the Giants cut Steve Weatherford. The Jets brought him in because Quigley was out. Steve Weatherford must have really stunk during practice in general because Ryan Quigley's not that not very good. No, he's not, and it just shows you that you're right. Steve Weatherford's he not must, very good. He, he hasn't punted. Well, he never punts. He's yeah. hosting a radio show on ESPN New York. Yeah, well, Steve Weatherford also, um, he, uh, he didn't punt particularly well when the Jets had him. But in practice, I mean, he must have not been good either because I feel like they would have kept Weatherford if they felt he was any improvement over Quigley. Hey, Quigley, must, Quigley, for the most part, is pretty He, he must have been brutal. Yeah. Well, pr- I mean, the thing with Ryan Quigley is he, he doesn't have much of a leg. He just doesn't. I, I, he can pin a team inside their own 20, inside their own 10. On occasion, he can. On occasion. Can. But if you need him a, a nice boot from back I mean, from back in your own end zone, he's not, he, he's not the guy that's going to do it. And, you know, the Jets were lucky that Quigley, gave him, to his credit, he hit all four extra points. Yes, one of them did go off that goalpost. But it did bounce back in. So all in all for the Jets special teams today was pretty good considering they lost their field goal kicker, Nick Falk, before the game even started. Even Jeremy Curley had a couple of nice punts. And one thing I'll say before we throw it to our first break, and then I'll open up the phone lines right here. Antonio Cromartie, shades of the 2010 playoffs against the Colts, returning that kick today, 54 yards. That's the best 
you know, return the Jets have had on special teams in years. Yeah, and since I, maybe that game. Well, and I think uh, what's funny is the reason why they took Antonio Cromartie out from returning kicks. I remember what was it? Two, that it was a year after 2011, 2012 season. They were in Oakland, and he had a he had one of the worst return games I've ever seen. I think he fumbled two balls, and that was the, the end that we saw Antonio Cromartie returning kicks. But listen, anything to spark it. I mean, he's better than Zach Stacy. Uh, how bad is Zach Stacy returning kicks? He's brutal. Well, he doesn't do anything. Well, he's, he's, he's You're faster than Zach he Stacy. Is, he's so slow. How can you put him back there? So anything's better than Zach Stacy. And Cromartie, you said it, had that 54-yard return, set up a nice Jets drive. So hey, that's that's something. That all in all, a win's a win, and the Jets did what they had was, to do it today. Was, it was ugly, but again, a lot to improve on on a short week going Thursday night at home against Buffalo. I have two sayings. Never apologize for a win has always been one of them. And the other one is I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. The Jets lost pretty against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. We said no such thing as a moral victory, but they played well. They played awful last week and lost, and they didn't play great today by any means. A couple pauses, as we touched on, but they found a way to get it done, and that's all that matters. Well, they, imagine if they lost today and went in next week 4-4, four and four, coming off two, two losses. They had to win today. They had to find a way to win today, and they did. 607-274-1842. That's the number to call. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. We're talking Jets. We'll talk Jets' bills on Thursday, the short week upcoming. We're also talking about the Giants and their win over the Bucks today and go around the rest of the NFL. It's the Azure Beauty Show. We're on till midnight right here on VIC Radio. Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Oh, nuts! There's a bobcat in this cave! Save us, sassy! You will, but first you'd like to stress the importance of cat adoption? Over 5 million cats go into animal shelters every year and they need to be adopted? Help us, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. All alone on a Friday night? Yes. Have nothing to do? Yes. Caught up in the core intrinsic virtues of existentialism? Boy, am I ever... Then listen to Sad Music Night, 8 to 10 on Fridays, only on VIC, the best of whose past, and then some. Gee whiz, that sounds swell. Okay, I'm ready. You sure? Yeah. Put it in, but be gentle. Okay. Thanks. Motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of death among teens and young adults. Don't be a statistic. Click it or ticket. Okay, sure. You're listening to this great music on VIC, but at some point, don't you want to know more about it? Well, check out the VIC blog to hear new interviews with bands like Eskimo or Wolf Alice, read reviews of albums that are just making themselves known to the world, and keep an eye on what makes VIC VIC. It's the voice of Ithaca College, so don't you want to know what we're saying? VICradio.tumblr.com You're listening to the Asmund and Budic Show, right here on VIC Radio. Back here on the Asmund and Budic Show, Jake Asmund alongside Dan Budic, taking you till midnight on the Vic, and lots to get to. We just opened up with the Jets, and we had to watch the Jet game today at Buffalo Dumb. Wild Wings. It was we didn't get the game. We didn't get the game here in um, the local area because the Bills were playing at 1 o'clock. Giants played at Fox on four, so Giant fans always usually get their games because they usually play on Fox. Today, we did not get the Jet game. Had to go all the way over to Buffalo Wild Wings in Ithaca, New York. And as you would expect, the service wasn't very good. Took I mean, forever to get our a, food. On a side note, that, 
They just don't know how to do sports bars. They, they're just they're just a bad sports bar. Also, the TV had subtitles on it. I had to get them to take that down. But like, it's, it's just, like blocking a play. But but it it took it took it really felt like it took thirty minutes to get a waters with lemon. They ran out of lemon. They're giving us a thousand different cups. It was it really and we spe- we've spoken about this numerous times. It, it stinks when we have to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the Jets. It's not a pleasant experience. Thank God they won. Well, last year we had to go numerous times, and obviously on a four and twelve season they lost most. Well, the, of the most time. Cr- excruciating one was the Monday night one both against Monday the Bears. Night, both Monday night games. Oh, against the Dolphins uh, too. Dolphins. That was awful. But uh, at least the first Monday night one, if you remember, the season was still relevant. So, yeah, the uh, that Dolphin one. I think they were one and two then. Yeah. Or, or that, no, they were one and one actually. One, yeah. So great. I mean, it was it was right there for the taking, and they blew that one. Geno Smith threw a pick six on like one of his first couple passes in that one. Don't even get me started on last year though. We said it before, Jets five wins this season, more than they had all last year when they only had four. And from where this team was a year ago to where they are now at five and three, and if the season ended today, they'd be the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs, and they'd go to Indianapolis for the one-game playoff, just like they did in 2010. Nope. Well, that, they were the sixth seed in 20, but they'd, be, but they'd have to go to Indianapolis. Well, I think the thing is with the Jets, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick said it after the game, every win's big in the National Football League. When you play 16 games, every one is big. And they needed to win this game. With how they played last week and the disappointment, they could not lose this week and go into playing the Bills next week at home losing three straight. They needed to find a way to do it, and they did. And they found a way to get it done, and that's what's most important. 607-274-1842. We're opening up the phone lines right now, so call in, get involved. First call of the night goes out to James in Deposit. James, what's going on? James. James going once. James going twice. Looks like, looks, like we, out of here. looks like we lost James. James, call back if uh, you have anything useful to say. And it says here you want to talk about Rex Ryan's reception back at MetLife. And that's actually a good point and something I wanted to touch on. I'm not sure what Rex's perception is going to be. I think it will be pretty good. Okay. I don't think they're going to boo him. I think it may, may, may be a little mixed. But I think most Jet fans liked Rex Ryan. I think the problem is he went to Buffalo. He went to a division rival on a team that the Jets are directly competing against year after year. And that's that's going to hurt him with the fans. You know, it is. If he took the Falcons' job, he'd root for him every week. But I, I love Rex. I want him to see him do well. But he's taking the job of the of the Buffalo Bills, who the Jets play twice a year every year. No, you don't want to see him do well against your team. And, and the fact that he's in the division and you're going to see him twice a year. But I think the – I tell you what. I think on Thursday night he'll get a nice hand. No, I think Thursday night he will. And however long he's coaching the Bills and comes back to MetLife Stadium, he won't. I think they'll give him a nice reception for the first time back. Just for the first time. Yeah, I think for the first time back he'll get a nice I hand. I mean, it's fair. I mean, he he is the only coach in their franchise history that took him to two straight championship games. That's right. And the Jets had a lot of great moments under Rex. They did. I mean, Hard Knocks 2010 was incredible. They had Snacks, fines, guarantees. I mean, you you make, got it all with Rex. You, foot, can, you can make the argument, and it's a very valid, ar- valid argument, that the Jets had two of the greatest seasons they've ever had in back-to-back years under Rex Ryan. They did, with Mark Sanchez as the team's quarterback, and they won four road playoff games. I mean, they, 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 they. You can, I mean, you can with a, with a with a team that has had so many uh, bad moments and more bad moments than good moments in their history, outside of Super Bowl three and that victory over the Baltimore Colts. You can make the argument two of the greatest seasons the Jets ever had were under Rex Ryan. They were, and as a, a Jet fan, that. You know, started watching every game with this team in 2005. You know, those are the highlights of my Jeff fandom, those two seasons, 2009 and 2010. I think we got James with us, though. James in Deposit New York. James, are you there? He's not He's not. James is not there. Well, we answered his question kind of before, so I guess he felt, uh, you know, why uh, why put him on. But 
Uh, yeah, I expect Rex to get a good hand for the first time back. He should. I really do. But the Jets, once that game starts, it's another well, football game. This is, and I think, you know. The hype machine in these three days, though, is going to be, you know, the, you I, know what the this, New York media is going to do. Be, I, and I, this is going to be with both teams relevant and both teams having a chance to, to, to make the playoffs this year in some capacity. It's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere at MetLife. I really believe that. I think it's going to be one of those you know Thursday night football prime time, a short week. Uh, both teams are going to be coming out motivated. I really think it's going to be a great football game. Six zero seven two seven four eighteen and four two. We tried twice with James in the positive New York. He's clearly not there. One thing about the Jets today, though, we already talked about Antonio Cromartie. We touched on Lorenzo Malden, but Rontez Miles was another guy in that secondary. That made his debut today, and we saw Dion Bailey get hurt at the end of that game. Miles comes in, and he whiffs on a tackle, allows a huge play by Jacksonville, and it just shows you the lack of depth the Jets have at the safety position. You said it before, Dan. They need to get Calvin Pryor back on Thursday because Calvin Pryor was an outstanding piece to this Jets defense early on. I think it's, it, I really don't think it's a coincidence that the minute Pryor went down to that New England game, Tom Brady started to play a lot better. The Jets looked awful against Oakland, and they didn't look that great against Jacksonville again today. Yeah, I think we've seen how good or how much better in the improvement over uh, Calvin Pryor. I remember last year, his rookie campaign, he wasn't very good. I mean, Jeff Van ready to write him off, a bust, this guy stinks. And he came out the first four or five games of the season before he got hurt in New England. And he was pretty damn good. I mean, he, he he's forcing turnovers. He's making hard hits, tackles. He's cutting off passes. He's really doing everything that the Jets thought they were they were going to get when they took him with a first round pick out of Louisville uh, a year or so ago. So uh, I think getting Calvin Pryor back on Thursday is huge for that defense, especially like you said. I don't think it's a lack of depth, but I think it's the injuries have caused them uh, to lose some depth. You talk about screens been banged up, Bailey. I mean, you're forced to go with a guy today. And Miles, that before he came in there, has never played a down in the National Football League. You're going to get exposed, and and they did, and they almost cost him the game. Even Calvin Pace, who was at the first ever Thanksgiving, had a huge play today for the Jets, forcing that fumble at the end, and then being able to have the strip sack fumble that was huge for the Jets at the end of that game. So the Jets got some contributions today from guys in defense you wouldn't normally expect to get in. Once again, just to put the notion. Uh, that Darrell Rivas isn't a lead anymore. I think you could put that one to bed today. He had a great game today and did an outstanding job. Should have had a pick, but wasn't able to get it. Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Darrell Rivas is I think teams are throwing at him a lot more, and that, uh, teams are throwing him a lot more uh, than they have in the last, I think, four or five years, and they're going to complete some passes. I think one thing he does, though, he is willing to concede the four or five yard gain, excuse me, six yard gain. But he will not let him. He will not let himself get beat over the top. It very rarely happens, and it didn't today. And I, you're right; he should have had an interception. Would have been a great play, uh, just in and out of his hands. But you know, that's nothing against Durrell. He's a phenomenal corner, and I think when he's on the field, uh, he adds a, an element that Todd Bowles can use defensively as far as blitz packages and bringing pressure that uh, they weren't and that Rex wasn't able to do the last couple of years without Durrell in the backfield. Also, one thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the story today was that he might need the thumb surgery. He might have it on Friday, the day after the Jets-Bills game this Thursday. A lot of people are trying well, to I'll, make this a, a big deal well, that he might my, miss time. My question is, is if he does get that surgery on Friday... He should admit, that's what I was going to say. According to your pro football doc, a former uh, doctor with, uh, and team physician in the NFL for 
I think it was like 20-something years I saw on Twitter. He said that if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the surgery, he does not think he'll miss any games. This is not something that should so, derail so, the Jets' well, season well, by well, any means. Well, that tells me that it's a very, very minor. If he's, not, if he's getting surgery and seven days later can play a football game, it's not a serious Well, thing. I mean, it's, it's not, not like, I'll say this today, it's not like the injury affected him that much. He had a great game today, and it well, wasn't like. throwing Well, yeah, and he didn't th- change the, his way that he delivers handoffs, though, when it was a lefty handoff to the you know, left side of the field. He just fought through the pain. It wasn't like he was doing lefty handoffs right-handed like Carson Palmer did a couple of years ago when he suffered a similar injury to his thumb on his non-throwing hand. It's an injury you can work with. No, and I, I listen, if that's if they feel that it's necessary for him to get it on Friday and he's not going to miss any time, then by all means. I mean, I don't want him to be playing in that much discomfort if he doesn't have to. But obviously, when he, if he is not on the field for the Jets... Uh, you know, I have significantly more confidence in him. I have no confidence in Geno Smith. Even after what I saw last week uh, against Oakland, the game was over. It meant nothing. I at saw that point. a quarterback that was Geno Smith. A little good, a little bad, but the football I mean, IQ is still not there. He doesn't have much of a football IQ. I feel much better with Ryan Fitzpatrick in his court. Well, the biggest thing is, times of course, and the biggest thing is, if he's going to have the surgery and not miss time. Uh, it's not a big deal. Well, then let him have it. I, I mean, I don't want the guy to play in pain. Uh, excuse me, play in pain if he doesn't have to. Most of the times, the reason why professional athletes play in pain is because they don't want to miss time. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to have to miss time, by all means, let him get the surgery. I don't want the guy to be uh, playing excruciating pain for the next seven weeks, uh, next seven weeks or so, and maybe playoffs. Who knows? I don't want to see the guy playing in pain if he doesn't have to. So if he needs a surgery on Friday, by all means, let him get it. As long as he's not going to miss any time, because they ca- they cannot afford him not being on the field. No, because the bottom line There's is there's a huge drop off. There really there is. There is, and you look at the Jets' schedule coming up, and they have games where they should be winning. They have winnable games against the Bills. You have to at least split with them in some capacity, whether it's you win you know this game on Thursday or you win the other, the the game in Buffalo to close out the season. Look where the Jets are right now. They're at five and three. They got Buffalo this week. Then they're at Houston. They got to win that one. Home against Miami. That has to be a win. Then you're playing the Giants, Tennessee, Dallas, you know, in all likelihood, that Giants game is going to be a toss-up. Tennessee, you think you should win, but they're playing better now that Mariota's back. And Dallas is going to have Romo and Des Bryant back. So the Jets at 5-3 and three are on pace halfway through the year to be 10-6, and six, have a 10-6 and six year, and they should make the playoffs for that record. The games they got to win are the games we just outlined. And if Geno Smith is in there at quarterback, you just don't know what's going to happen. That's why it's important for the Jets to be in a situation where they know what they have at the starting quarterback spot, and that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them. He gives them stability and consistent quarterback play. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. The fact that he's not going to, you know, he's not the sexiest guy around. He's average. He's he's an average, a little above average NFL quarterback, if that. And that's all the Jets really need at this point. Um, you'd love something more, but at the, you know, it's not there right now. Listen, if he could play like he did today. You know, he had a torn ligament in his thumb, non-throwing hand. He played pretty damn good today. He didn't turn over the football. Uh, that's the type of performance they need, and especially going into a game on Thursday night, that's going to be a playoff atmosphere at MetLife. Guess who's back on the line? Uh, Jim. No, James. Oh, James, excuse me. James in deposit. For the third time, let's see if we got James on. Let's see if it works this time. James, what's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going? James, good to finally get you on the line. Yeah, guys, it's great to be here. Um, I just wanted to talk a little Jets Bills also. I mean... You guys hit on it. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. And, you know, in a, in a little weak AFC, uh, maybe nine wins gets you in. So uh, yeah, what do you guys think is the key to coming out with the victory on Thursday night? Well, I think for the Jets, it's establishing that running game. Uh, they cannot become one-dimensional 
Uh, they have to be able to establish the run and let their defense play. Uh, but as we've seen, James, the last couple of weeks, the Jets' defense hasn't played well. So, that's, you know, like I said before, that's pretty concerning to me. If the Jets can run the football effectively, I mean, it gives them the upper hand only because of the fact that uh, with the receivers they have, they become a, a pretty dual-threat type of offense where they can throw it and run it. But we haven't seen that the last couple of weeks. And for the Bills, uh, the Bills can't, can't – can't be their own worst enemy. You know, they can't have stupid mistakes. They can't be over-aggressive. This is going to be a big, this is a big game for the Bills. Jerry Hughes can't commit a personal it, foul. Yeah, you know, James, you know. this is a big game for the Bills. This is the big, you know, you can make the argument this is one of the biggest regular season games the Bills have played in a long time. You know, so the, for the Bills, I think it's not being your own worst night, worst enemy. Not being too, uh, too amped up for the game. And, you know, as we've seen this year, and as, we, you know, I've seen as a Jet fan watching Rex Ryan coach teams the last five years, he has a tendency to build these games up, you know, to be uh, the, impi- the uh, antithesis of a season and the biggest game that that team's going to play all year. He has the tendency to do that, and, you know, then looks what happened uh, against New England, and, you know, that type of thing. So I think for the Bills, they can't be their own worst enemy. They have to n- not make stupid mistakes. I think the Jets and Bills are very similar. I think you look at these two teams, and obviously you have the coaching connection with Rex being the former coach of the Jets, but the Bills want to run the ball. They want to play good defense. They got a quarterback in there that's more of a game manager type, although Tyrod Taylor played really well today. And he's played well just like Ryan Fitzpatrick has played well this season. But both guys don't want their quarterbacks throwing more than 25 times a game, ideally. You know, they're very similar teams to the Jets and the Bills. And the biggest thing that's going to stop either team from winning is if they beat themselves. You know, if the Jets are turning the football over or if the Jets are allowing breakdowns in the secondary that we saw today, the Buffalo Bills are a good football team and they'll go into MetLife and win. I think the one thing the Jets have going for them is the fact that, A, Rex Ryan is not very good after his team wins a game. You know, Rex is trying to win back-to-back games for the first time since he was the Jets coach at the end of the 2013 season when they beat the Browns and then beat the Dolphins in the final week. So the one thing for the Jets is they're at home. They don't have to travel in a short week. They're still going to have to play the game against Buffalo. Buffalo's a good football team. If they play like they did today, as we've been saying, they won't win. I agree. I, I think I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a very good football game. I think this is going to be one of the better Thursday night games this season. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. Back here on the Azure and Butick Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Butick taking you until midnight right here on VIC Radio. World Series is over. It's officially strictly football season. Football the NBA, season. NBA is getting kicked off. NBA NHL is, season. Yeah, NBA and uh, the NHL seasons have been underway for a couple of weeks now. The NBA just started last week and... The Knicks, after a pretty good start, they won again today. They already have three wins, considering they only won 17 all last year. It's pretty good for this team right now. Well, I mean, again, with the Knicks, I mean, anything better than last year, I think, is a step in the right direction with how bad they played last year. And it just seems, um, you know, again, we talked about it during Connor's update a little while ago. Uh, Chris Zapprazingis, he's really just, it seems like just he's had an impact and I think a lot of people in the, in the consensus of the public was he wasn't going to have an impact as a 19-year-old kid. And I think he's showing physicality. He's showing a lot of heart, a lot of gut. He's a gutsy guy. 
uh, coming in there as a 19-year-old kid playing uh, playing in the biggest city uh, in America. Really. Yeah, I mean, he got drafted as a 19-year-old kid, turned 20 over the summer. So this is a young guy in, the, in New York City right now. And he's been playing really well for the Knicks. So. Not to mention, this is a guy who's on the same team. I mean, this guy's playing on the same floor as Carmelo Anthony, the guy he grew up watching. Uh, no question. And he's played well today. I thought he played really well, especially down the stretch. He had a big bucket, and the Knicks beat the Lakers today. And for the Knicks, listen, they won 17 games last year. No one's expecting them to do anything. I think if all goes right, they're going to compete for a playoff spot, compete for that eighth spot in the postseason. That's the goal. Come the end of the season, you're you're into you know late March and early April, and they're they're in the spot to make the playoffs last week of the season. You got to be clapping your hands if you're an. Oh, no doubt about it. You got to be cheering, jumping for joy. From where this team was last year to a year later, uh, able to compete for a playoff spot, you sign up for that in a heartbeat. And I'll tell you what about the Knicks before we get back to the NFL. You know, Carmelo Anthony, he's still struggling to come back off the surgery. He's had his moments where he's looked really good. His shooting hasn't been quite there. It's been dynamite at the free throw line, though. He had some big ones today over the Lakers. I got to catch the second half of that game after the Jet game ended. But for the Knicks, it's really simple. They're trying to develop the young talent they have on this roster. It starts with Przingis, obviously Jerry and Grant, the point guard that they drafted after they traded Tim Hardaway Jr. to acquire the pick from the Hawks to take him. He's looked impressive as well. So the Knicks are certainly a better team than they were last year. They have competent NBA players. I want to see what this lineup looks like when they add Aaron follow back, who should be back on Tuesday, ready to play after his hamstring injury has been recovered from. I mean, I don't think the Knicks are a great team, but they're a better team than they were last year, and the young talent's obviously a big piece to them going forward. Today was a nice window in what likely was Kobe Bryant's final game at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and I think, um, listen, any time you could beat, even though the Lakers are not what they were, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, you beat a team, Kobe Bryant coming to the Garden, you said probably his last time there, uh, you know, the Knicks will take it move on. They found a way to get it done. They found a way. It's just like the Jets. They found a way to win. They found a way. Close to route, and they found a way to pull it out. The Nets, though, you know, talking on the, the, they, the other basketball they team. The Nets are a bad basketball They're team. Awful. They don't have a win. Dude, the, the, pro- the problem with the Nets. They, they don't have just, any picks they, either. They, they don't have any picks. There's no reason for them to lose. They, they don't, can't get yeah, anything they, for They it. don't have any picks. And really, again, we talked about this. Billy King, and, and really, I, 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 I hate to put Billy King and put the blame on him. Uh, Mikhail Prokhorov. And Billy King have put really Mikhail Prokhorov with you know his 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 strategy of we want to win now let's win now let's win now by it's all a great means Russian win accent. now well you know I give it a shot you know his his goal of well let's win now by all means do whatever it takes to put a winning team on the court well Billy King tried and it's he he failed miserably and really put this team into basketball hell well not They're basketball hell no, they are because not only did they try to build a winner and it didn't work I mean they made one of the worst trades of all time well to try and build the winner they gave away their future and I don't think anyone expected the Nets to be this bad after everything that happened but I mean the thing you could say about the Knicks was they had their picks you know they had the pick to get Przingis who looks like he's going to be a really good player in the NBA going forward I mean what do the Nets get if they finish with the worst record in the NBA this year a cookie they, they don't get anything. They don't get anything. They, have no, they don't have a pick to show for it. And, again, uh, Billy King, I think it's an embarrassment that he still has a job. Uh, it really is amazing that that he, guy still has a job. It's, it's a joke. He made one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA. He made a horrible trade in acquiring, giving up first-round picks for Kevin Garnett and, uh, and Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce they got one year out of. They got a year and a half out of Kevin Garnett. It was a joke. And it put them. What did it put them into? A position where they made the playoffs and they were out in the. Did they, did they get past the first round? They got. They got past the first round. Yeah, they beat the Raptors and once. And they lost in the second round. Yeah, they got got beat badly by the That's Heat. Put, I mean, come on. 
They made, and they made what, an awful trade. Paul Pierce left in free agency. Kevin Garnett, not a shell of what he was. And they, they shipped him off uh, middle of last season. Uh, they shipped him out to Minnesota, back to uh, where it all began for him, out in Minnesota. But, uh, again, Billy King has put this team into basketball hell. And you hear Billy King on the uh, – on the you know before the, their first game and you know, I really like uh, Shane Larkin uh, you know point guard Shane Larkin shows a lot of promise was a first round pick Shane Larkin sucks we saw him with the Knicks last year he stinks the big acquisition was bringing Andrea Bargnani he, he also stinks. he also sucks I mean come on I mean this is a bad basketball team and it's one of the, I mean uh, it's a shame they have a beautiful building out there the Barclays Center. There was so much positive. Still never been to the Barclays Center. Yeah, neither have I. Hopefully over the Thanksgiving break here at Ithaca College. Get to an Islander game, not, not a Nets game. No, I will not pay to watch the Nets. But, I'll watch the Islanders, who but, aren't doing much better themselves right now. They lost again true. today. Lost they today stink. The Bruins 2-1. But, again, as far as the Nets are concerned, so much excitement coming to the Barclays Center, and it really all fell apart so fast. Some poor guys, you know, Darren Williams did pan out. Joe Johnson, they're paying him a lot of money. They can't get rid of him. They're just they're in they're in a horrible spot, and not to mention, like we said before, no first round picks going forward. Uh, For the next until 2019. Yeah, 2019. You know, a couple years they they swap picks with the Celtics like every other year now. They, they have no they have no they have not really Nets fans have nothing to hang their hat. Well, on. all they can hang their hat on is that you know. They'll overpay for some guys in free agency to improve their roster that way. But we saw it firsthand with the Knicks. When you win 17 games or how many games the Nets are going to end up winning, and the Knicks had a draft pick. They There's had the no promise appeal. of Przingis. There's no free agent appeal. No free agents are going to want to come play for you. They didn't want to play with the Knicks when they already had a superstar in place in Carmelo Anthony. Why would they want to play with the Nets? They're going to go play with Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a nice player, but no superstar is coming over to say, oh, we got to play with Brooke Lopez well, here in Brooklyn. Well, we saw it this past summer. We saw it this past summer. The appeal of playing in New York is not real. It's n- it's not there anymore. Guys don't – if you told me in 2009 or 2010, can the Knicks attract – or the Nets attract free agency with, you know, the Nets going to Brooklyn and being in Brooklyn and the Knicks playing in the Garden in New York City, I would have said absolutely it's an attraction. Today's game, the way these athletes are and how much and, – and what the, the fact that – I don't think it really matters where they go as long as they win. It doesn't matter. Perfect example. The greatest player on the planet plays in Cleveland. All their games are on national television. Everyone knows the Cavs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Cleveland and Golden State generated the highest rated NBA Finals last year since Michael Jordan's days with the Bulls. It doesn't matter where you play. It doesn't matter. And these guys realize that. There's no appeal in playing in New York. There is no appeal. Also, the appeal of playing in New York used to always be... the team's good. Well, yes, and the appeal used to always be, oh, well, if you go to New York, you can make more money in advertisements because you're in the big city of New York. That's not the case anymore. The way social media is nowadays, You're making money the way you there's uh, a channel just for the NBA, there's a channel just for baseball. You know, these leagues have networks. Sport teams have their own regional uh, stations like the Yes Network and SNY for the Mets, and so on and so forth. It doesn't matter where you play; athletes are going to get paid either way. There's no, no incentive to go to New York. There's no incentive, and uh, the bottom line. The incentive is, is you're right. If the Knicks were really good, the incentive is you go to New York because they have a good team. That's why you go to New York. Yeah. You go to Brooklyn because they have a good team in place. They don't. And this idea that they're going to be able to overpay for free agents, yeah, someone might take the money, just like Robin Lopez was overpaid for and the Knicks brought him in. But you're not going to be able to get a, a game-changing player. It just doesn't work look like at, that. Look at Greg Monroe. The guy could have played with the Knicks, played in New York City alongside Carmelo He signed Anthony. with the Bucks. He went to Milwaukee. He played with the Bucks. He signed with the Bucks. 
There's no appeal playing in New York anymore. It's not real. At one time, I, I thought it was. I really did. But the way the the um, social media, like you said, and uh, it really, in general, the media has changed over the last six or seven years, the appeal's not there anymore. It doesn't matter where you play. If you're good, you're going to get the recognition. Like you said, LeBron James plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He doesn't play in a big city. I mean, but if you didn't know any better, you would think Cleveland is a big city because they're on TV all the time. You know, they stars want to go there. Notice the amount of stars that LeBron James was able to acquire. He was able to get Kevin Love to resign. Kyrie Irving's now locked in long term. Guys are taking less money to go to Cleveland. Why? Because they're probably going to win well, the, the NBA same, championship. Well, the same thing happened when he was in Miami. When he was in Miami, they were getting guys on low-level contracts because they were buying into, we're going to win, we're going to be really good. I mean, that's how they got Winning Mike. is that's what matters. They, that's that, it. When Mike Miller was a great six-man, that's how they got Mike Miller in there in Miami. That's how they got these guys to sign. Ray Allen, uh, when they brought him in to win that championship a few years ago, they the mantra of come here and we're going to win, take less money, the guys bought into it. And you're right. The same appeal uh, is happening in Cleveland because when you have the best player on the planet on the floor and the difference he makes, players want to play with him. Players want to win. And if it happens to be in Cleveland, it happens to be in in Cleveland. I said this when, when, when LeBron went to Miami uh, in 2009 to play with the Heat. I think it had no, it, it's amazing. It had nothing to do with the Miami Heat. It had nothing to do with the franchise. I don't, it, it had to do with the fact that Dwayne Wade wanted to stay in Miami. He was able to recruit Bosch, and they were able to bring in LeBron. It could have been anywhere. It really, if, if Dwayne Wade was on any other team, the, the big three would have been formed in that town. It just so happened it was the Miami Heat. Yeah, and that's, it, that's it, what it came it, down to. It, it came it, down to winning, not the appeal of playing in Miami. It, it didn't matter where it was. It was it, it was the first time I think I really realized, wow, it really didn't matter where this team was located. Well, because if you remember in 2010, all the talk was, well, LeBron wants to win in New York. He wants to play at the Garden. Oh, come on. He, I don't either. I mean, every time LeBron talks about the Garden, oh, I love playing here. It's my favorite place to play as a visiting player. My Knicks fans used to drool before he signed with Miami. I mean, the most beloved player at the Garden always was, was LeBron, LeBron James. Hey, be, man, Nick fans would drool over him, thinking, "Hell, you know." So I was one of them. That summer of 2010, LBJ, NYK. That I said it all the time. That summer of 2010, he's going to go, and uh, you know what? It, it, it we thought thought it was going to happen that he was going to end up being a Nick, and he was going to play alongside at that time when they brought him in Amari Stoudemire, and the Knicks were going to go on a championship run. That was the thought process, and. Uh, you know, again, well, the original thought process was they got LeBron James, oh, they got like Paul, Joe, yeah. Chris Paul, Joe Johnson was thrown in that mix. I mean, imagine any of that happening. I mean, the Knicks have really struck out in free agency. Always, they've been they've been brutal. They've been brutal. Want to know why? Because they've been selling, they've been trying to bank on this idea that New York is going to get you stars. It isn't. That's why I liked what Phil Jackson did this offseason. He put a foundation in place where if the Knicks win 34, 35 games, they have 19 more million dollars in cap space this offseason. Then you can sign a big time free agent that will want to come to New York, saying, "Hey, we got Melo, we got Przingis, we got Jerry and Grant, we got Aaron Afar, we got some Lopez. good MB- then, exactly. we got some good players." Yeah. You know what? We can compete. That's exactly. when you get the playoffs. Not one Look year, at the Clippers. They had Blake in Griffin in place. They had some decent players around him. What did they do? They then got Chris Paul to try and be the final piece of the puzzle, to be that championship caliber team. And they're you know there. what? They're right there. They're competing for a championship. That's what the Knicks are going to have to do to be successful. So whatever they do this year is a building block to the future. Phil Jackson knows that. That's why he put this core in place, and they have 19 more million dollars to spend this offseason when you hope Porzingis shows signs that he could be a superstar. You combine that with a healthy Carmelo Anthony, 
and that's two pieces to your core, and you need a couple more pieces to build around. But if you got the building blocks in place, the Knicks will be significantly better, not only just this year, but going forward if this plan continues to work like we think it could. And it makes you believe, and it just, you know, you can see the plan that Phil has, and you, you really saw last season what he was trying to do and what the Knicks were trying to do and when you see this team on the court. Just going back to the Nets, I don't know what the plan is. What is the plan with the new with the, the Brooklyn Nets? What is the plan? You build a team around Brook Lopez. You have no draft picks. You mentioned you got to overpay for average free agents because the big time guys aren't going to want to play in Brooklyn. They're going to want to play in Brooklyn. There's no appeal. I mean, look what the Knicks had to overpay for. Rob Lopez is a nice player, but, but he's not worth twelve but million dollars a year. As a Nets fan, what do Nets fans hang their hat on here? It's they good have question. no draft picks. Mike, you're a Nets fan, right? Yeah. Mike, no. come here. Come here. Get to the mic. We'll talk to a Nets fan. Let's talk to a Nets fan. Mike Avensky, our producer. Screen to the calls right now. He's a big, uh, a big Nets fan. Mike, I gotta ask you, what, what as a Nets fan are you hanging your hat on going forward? Well, guys, I was in sports journal before and I was talking about this. There's nothing. There's absolutely I mean, there, nothing. It, it, it's a shame. See, the one thing as a fan it's that you want, you want hope. Like, no matter how bad your team is, even for a perfect example is the Mets. The Mets were brutal the past nine years for the most part. Exactly. The one thing you held your hat on, you hung your hat on, was this young pitching that can get them to the promise line, and it did. They went to the World Series this year. As a Net fan, what are you holding your hat on if we just dispel this myth that, oh, free agents are going to want to I come mean, play in Brooklyn? It's, a, it's no. not the case. No draft picks. Uh, no nothing. I, I mean, mean, probably a new GM next season. Probably not a new coach because you can't blame Lionel Hollins. No, and not a new coach, but I, I can't. Yeah. I, just, I, I mean, with the way this season's going to go, and is, is Prokhorov going to sell the team? I, I mean, what? he wants to sell it. He doesn't. I, I want to sell it. I don't. I want to sell it. I don't. Is he going to sell the team? It's like... Uh, what's going on with the ownerships in question? And again, Billy King, I just with the way with the way this season looks like it's going to go, how can they bring him back? They've done it before. No. <laughs> They've done it before. Bull, bull, bull. It's just like it seems like with with the roster they have. I mean, there's their starting point guard is Shane Larkin. I, he stinks. We watched him last year with the Knicks. He stunk. He's not very good. It, it's no. just like like it's just it's a shame, and I feel bad as a Nets fan for you. Oh, there just there's nothing to hang your hat on. It's just it's it's there's no hope. Sticking to basketball for a second, guys. Andre Drummond tonight. Guess how many points and rebounds he had in a 120-103 win over the Trailblazers. I know he's averaging 30, like 19 30. rebounds. He had 29 points. Guess how many rebounds he finished with? How many? 27. Well, he's oh, averaging close. 19 bounds uh, through the first you know couple weeks of the season. He's been great. 29 and 27. Nets could use him. That's a video game <laughs> numbers. Yeah, it's pretty. But any yeah, team can use that. My yeah, Andre, God, Andre Drummond really coming into it. And I'll, I'll say this about the Pistons: give them credit. They let Greg Mon- Monroe walk because they knew they had Drummond, and Drummond has shined this season, sharing the court by himself. He's no longer sharing it with Drummond. He has it all to himself, and he's been dominant. He's been phenomenal. Yeah, you got to give Stan the man uh, a lot of credit there out in Detroit. Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy. But again, you know, it's just it's one of those things. You know, free agency is not what it was in the NBA as far as attracting free agents to, to, to the New York market. And I think when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, I think they felt a big thing was uh, being able to attract those types of big names because of the Brooklyn name and, and all that. But it's just, it's, it's a shame. Yeah, They got a beautiful facility. The Barclays Center's state-of-the-art, at least for basketball. I don't know, hockey, I've heard otherwise. I haven't been there for hockey. Well, hockey, I've heard otherwise. you know, it's a basketball arena it's that they bas- spent $2 billion to make yet. Couldn't make it compatible for hockey. Yeah, but I've heard it's great for basketball, and it's a shame that the, the Nets fans do not have a team that they could be proud of. I, I really, I'm a Knicks fan, but I find it, uh, you know, I feel bad for Nets. Well, fans. it's just unbelievable because this whole thing with Brooklyn was new identity, new team, they're ready to go. They make the trade, and since they made the trade, you know, they won one playoff series, and that's it. You know, they made the playoffs as an eight seed last year and got 
beaten five games by the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, what? Uh, six games, I think. Oh, uh, went right? six games? Yeah, it did. Oh, Remember, yeah. they tied up at two. They were down 2 0. Okay, yes, they won. Okay, you're right. Year, yeah. They tied it up at yeah. two, so sorry, Nets fans. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> but just, but they lost see, in six I mean, games, season, and that's it. Like, <laughs> when do they play again? They play tomorrow? They play, I think the next game is Wednesday against the Rockets on the road. That's so, a loss. Yeah. When are they going to win a game? What are they, 0 uh, They play now? the Kings on the next They're 0-7. They got to beat the Kings. Uh-oh. And on that Will same road trip, they got to play the Warriors, so that's obviously That's a loss. That's a loss. So, what are they, 0-7? Oh and six right now, I think, right? Oh and six. Well, I mean, their their chance at a win was Friday against the Lakers, and they lost. And they lost. Well, when do they play the Sixers? I mean, maybe they get a win. The Sixers don't have a win yet either, right? Well, they do this every year. They when they don't win a game until two months into the year. The Sixers have had some nice leads. They just haven't been able to close out any games. They're a bad basketball team. Well, they they stink. They stink. They're zero and six. I mean, listen, they stink. The Nets are just. We've talked about it. Just a mess. The Nets are a mess. Just in New Jersey. I mean. I mean. Who knows about that? I just think just the ownership has just been so poor. And we all thought you know, Prokhorov buying the team was going to be the best thing uh, for the franchise. Well, he's got a lot of money. But, it's I mean, just, it's been, it hasn't been well. No. It just hasn't been well spent. I mean, they don't have any draft picks till 2019, first-round picks. It's unbelievable. It's like, uh, uh, come on. Billy hey. King. Doing Billy King things. Listening to the Asman and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.